This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Service at Ohio University. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones. I'm an executive coach, and I'm the author of Find Your Happy at Work. It's a book about how to make things better, even when you don't want to change jobs. In this episode, we'll talk about how to make changes that might help you if you do want to shift jobs. Our return guest is William Vanderblumen. Fifteen years ago, William created a brand new industry when he started an executive search firm for faith-based organizations. Since then, he and his team have done in-depth interviews with about 30,000 leaders, and they've studied their top candidates working to understand why some leaders so clearly stand out from the crowd. William says their research helped them identify 12 habits that separate the best leaders from everyone else. And his new book, Be the Unicorn, describes those strengths, all of which involve soft skills. You know, the skills that help you work with other people. William says all of these 12 important skills can be developed or improved. And Be the Unicorn is intended as a workbook to help you along that path. Today, he'll share tips from the book to help you nurture positive habits and outshine the competition. William, it is so great to have you back here, and I'm um, eager to hear about your new book, Be the Unicorn. But but first, will you kind of bring us up to date? What has been happening with um, your search firm, and why did you all decide to spend some time doing this research and having you write another book? Uh, first of all, Bev, thanks for having me back. I, I love your show and what you're doing, and uh, it's an honor to be with you today. So uh, thank you. Uh, the firm's going great. We've had uh, 2021 was our biggest year ever. 22 was bigger than that. 23 is tracking ahead. Uh, it's the hardest time ever to hire. The, the, the candidate pool is incredibly fickle. There are a lot of opportunities out there. And uh, not to mention the, the change of the economy to Maybe I'll just work for side hustles and not have a job job. It, so it's, it, I think we're more necessary than ever and our work is harder than ever. Uh, but that's not why we did the research or, or the book. Um, frankly, the research was born out of um, d- during the pandemic. Uh, during the pandemic, you know, nearly every one of our clients closed indefinitely. And we were not an industry that was hiring during the pandemic, you know, like zoom and tech companies were hiring like crazy, but that's not us. So, uh, we, <laughs> we had a lot of time on our hands and, oh, my. Uh, oh it was, ter- you know, I have a religion and philosophy degree and I tell my kids, do you know what people with a philosophy degree spend their career doing? And of course they say, I don't know. And, and I say, they spend their entire career saying, would you like fries with that? <laughs> so, so, so I'm, having to, I'm having to learn business as we go and uh one of the learnings i found during the pandemic was if every one of your clients closes indefinitely uh your calendar frees up and uh 
I'll spare you the long gory details, but one of the things that we did, and uh, aside from serving people and helping them figure out how to get PPP money and that sort of thing, we also had time to drop back and kind of work on the business without being in it. And we realized that in 15 years, you know, anytime we do a search, there might be a thousand people that are potential candidates for fit. Uh, but then maybe you very quickly move to a hundred or 150 that are, that are real candidates. And then you do phone calls and zooms and narrow down, narrow down. When you get to the last eight or 10, uh, really the best of the best, they get a long format face-to-face interview in person. And we realized during the pandemic, you know, we've now done 30,000 of those. So best of the best long format face-to-face interviews. And that's a lot. And and we have kind yes. of a maniacal staff. Uh, they're fa- fabulous, uh, but they keep records of everything. I I tell people I'd say they're OCD, but they'd get mad at me because that's not uh, alphabetical. They, they'd prefer to be <laughs> CDO. But uh, <laughs> so we have all this data and we said, well, okay, 30,000, they're the best people we've ever interviewed. Could we find the ones within that 30,000 that are even the better of the best? And uh, we did, you know, who got the job, who got promoted, who excelled, who brought value to the company they went to or organization. And then we asked the question, okay, now we know like the very, very best people we've ever interviewed. Do they have anything in common? And we're sitting around with time to research. So we started looking and we found, actually, they really do. And uh, nearly all of the conclusions were not what I expected them to be. And uh, and that was good news. It, it, it was not, oh, they all had the chance to go to an Ivy League school. Or, oh, they all have an IQ of fill in the blank. Or they come from a socioeconomic background of this certainly no racial ethnic you know skew or spread it it really was habits that we saw them practicing and it was habits that uh, were focused on how they relate to other people so it's kind of i call it you know human soft skills and we sort of distilled that down to the 12 most common habits that these unicorns for lack of a better term uh, all exhibited and thought this is cool. We were doing it for ourselves, research to try and figure out how do we spot better candidates. We get paid to find unicorns. But then we realized, you know, these are actually teachable habits and and we don't need to write a, a science manual on it, but we do have a lot of data and it's not just William's opinions on what makes a great candidate. It's no, 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 no. This is research-based, uh, simple advice for how people could actually learn to become one of these standout candidates. And so we, we wrote a book because, you know, we want to help people. And uh, we, I'm of the opinion that if you, if you keep helping people, you will never run out of business. And so uh, with that in mind, we talked to some publishers. We were going to self-publish it, but um, people in the publishing industry said, no, this actually needs to be, you need to get a real publisher. This, this could be a help to a lot of people. Well, I think it's a great book, and I want to get into the details of those 12 habits in a minute. But first, I'm, I'm curious ab- about one thing. Your, uh, your firm is called uh, Vanderblumen Search Group, 
But mm-hmm. when we talked last time, I had the sense that you were starting to do some additional consulting. And it it, it seems to me that with a, a search effort like yours, where you're really getting to know leaders and potential leaders, you have the opportunity to help in other ways. Are you finding that there's kind of a natural um, expansion of your services just because the things you know as you work with the same organizations for years? Well, you've said it better than I could. I'm, I'm the, do you want fries with that guy? But uh, <laughs> I, I think we just learned as we go, we just fall into things. And I guess what I'm realizing, no matter what the organization is, I don't know of any kinds of problems that slow an organization down more than people problems. I guess you could not have any money or resource, but but usually if you have the right people, you can the resource follows that. So as we've spent 15 years helping teams find the right people, we're also learning, oh, actually we could do a little bit of onboarding coaching to help them or some executive coaching to help uh, the top leaders and uh we, you know, we did a book on what makes the best workplaces, which was also sort of a, uh, I call it a quant qual book, a uh, quantitative data with qualitative stories. And uh, that led to a, a practice of saying, well, why don't we uh, uh, get help organizations build a better workplace, which now, now that everybody wants to stay home and not go to an office, if you're going to make people come to an office, it better have a really good culture. So that's grown as well. And, and, and one thing, Bev, that all of this has sort of born in me is uh, I decided a while back, I'm not going to write another book without creating a, a software tool that will help people and teams as well. So we have a whole digital sector that really has nothing to do with search on uh, how do we know what we're paying our people and what we should pay them. There's a digital solution for that. How are we ready for succession? There's a digital, how, how's our culture? And even with this book, uh, we've created an inventory that would be similar to a, a disk inventory or an Enneagram or Berkman uh, that will measure how you are doing in each of these 12 habits. Um, we turned it into a 360 tool so people can use it for like a personal development plan at work. So long rambling answer from a recovering preacher. But yes, we, we have found that any people problem that we can solve helps our clients. And so we're branching out where the momentum leads us. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I I think when I was uh, reading your book, I was thinking, oh boy, this is a whole new um, source of activity for Vanderblumen yes. because um, coaching each of these 12 habits seems to be kind of part of what... Um, you're going to be able to do because you've spent so much time looking at them. So, so let's dive into the book. Let me say first that the full title is Be the Unicorn, Data-Driven Habits that Separate the Best Leaders from the Rest. And you have 10 habits or the kind of traits, kind of habits. And the, the first one I noticed you listed was fast. And I was intrigued by why you put that first and um, how important it is, in, in this case, what really struck me was how important it is for the candidates that you are looking at. So why, why is fast so important, being fast? Well, if I were 
truly noble. I'd give you some wonderful data driven answer, but the reality is it's the one that I do the best. <laughs> so, so, so it got to go first, but, but, but the reality is it's, um, I think one of the easiest wins in standing out of the crowd is getting back to people with a real human response, not a chat bot response, not an auto reply email, but like if somebody reaches out to you and you get back to them with a real human response quickly, you are doing something that almost nobody does. So, and, and it really goes back to the birth of our firm. I, we started our business. We didn't take investment money. We just did use what little cash we had to try and bootstrap this thing together. And if somebody wrote in and said, William, could you call me about helping me find a fill in the blank position? Do you know how quickly I got back to them? <laughs> like, how quickly, me? William? <laughs> yeah, so we could go buy groceries uh, <laughs> just quickly. <laughs> and, and over the years, and I do think it's, uh, I probably ought to see a counselor about it because I am a little bit overboard with it. But but I have found over and over and over again, people are like, hey, William, you got back to me right away and nobody does that. And then we dove into some social science studies that just back that up, that people's response time is horrible. It's even bad. We even looked at, uh, Bev, we even looked at uh, dating websites and apps, which is populated by lonely people who want to find yeah. a relationship. You would think they would get back to people quickly. Their response <laughs> is horrible. <laughs> so, so maybe the one of the easiest wins is if you'll just get back to people quickly, you will stand out of the crowd, which is really hard to do right now. The, the, the workforce has five generations in it in the United States now. That's the first time ever. And, and I, I'd say there's a sixth generation, and it's not Gen X or Y or Z. It's uh, AI. <laughs> yeah. Artificial intelligence <laughs> is crowding the workforce. So if you want to stand out, just get back to people with a real human response in, in short order, and uh, you will stand out. And, and the book tries to outline some ways that you can do that and still have a life, not just be, you know, uh, live in the tyranny of the urgent. But uh, – um, yeah, that. If I'm really honest, though, it's the one I'm probably best at of the habits, and so it got to go first. Well, that makes some sense. But let me before we leave fast, um, let's just look at it from the standpoint of people who are looking for a job. So, hmm. when you are looking at candidates who um, Maybe you reach out through LinkedIn or somebody reaches you, however you find them. How fast do you think the the leading candidates are? Does this mean within a day or two or within an hour or two? How, how does that work? If Just so that anybody who's listening and they're in a search, what would you tell them to do? Sooner the better. Sooner the better. Back in my previous career, years and years ago, I was a pastor of a church. We were relocating the church from an, its original property out to the part of the city that was growing. And we didn't have anywhere to go. We were in a horrible situation. We needed a new temporary location while we were building. And there was a YMCA that opened up across the street from our new property. And I, I was talking to one of our members who was the board uh, on our board. And he said, William, I know the new board chair at that YMCA and they don't use it on Sunday mornings. I bet they'd rent it to us. I said, that's cool. And he said, well, here's his number. He wrote it down and handed it to me. And we're standing in my office and you know, a minute or two goes by and he says, why haven't you called him yet? 
And I said, Todd, Todd, I'm talking to you right now. And he said, no, 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 William, let me, t- let me save you a big headache in life. The first chance you get to respond is almost always the best. And I've never forgotten that. And, uh, you know, when we have candidates get back to us, certainly within a day, uh, you go longer than a day and you, you've lost my attention. And there's some data in the book to point to that, that, you know, for instance, if you're doing marketing where you've probably gone to buy, maybe it's a car or some purchase you're making and you fill out a form on the company website saying, please send me more information and you hit submit, right? Um, if the if the company receiving those kind of forms called inbound marketing gets back to the person with a real and customized response within a minute, they have a 98% chance of having a conversation with that person. If they wait 24 hours to respond, they have a less than 1% chance of ever hearing from wow. that person again. Oh, that's so interesting. And the average response time for companies that use that kind of software is 42 hours. Mm. So they're literally throwing away all their marketing dollars by just not getting back to people. So, so in our firm... Uh, the sooner the better. Now, I will say, uh, really smart candidates think about what kind of job they're interviewing for and tailor everything around that. So, for instance, if it were, if you're interviewing for a sales rep job, get back to them within a minute because that's what's required for that job. You know, compliance officer, maybe yeah. it's not quite as fast and that's okay, but within a day. So, so if you, if you think about what you're interviewing for and the company, you know, if you're in a tech firm that's growing 40% year over year and everything's changing all the time, I, I think speed probably matters more than in a, a maybe a government job that is doing a fairly routine thing the same way every day. Does, it, does that make sense? It makes sense. Now, a- another w- one of my favorite habits here, looking really more at job searches, is um, is be prepared. and. I tend to be kind of obsessive about that. And sometimes that means you're slower. So there's a a balancing there. But um, in the context of search, what what does it mean for a candidate to be prepared for an interview, for talking with your team or talking uh, with a potential employer? What kind of level of preparedness do you expect? Well, so many of these habits are interrelated, and I think being prepared and being self-aware and being fast, they all sort of roll together. But the prepared piece is, you know, the candidate that's actually studied the history of the company or studied what the work culture is like or studied what the turnover is like. And this is where, you know, we didn't get this in the book because the book was done before this started to happen, but I am shocked at what you can learn through AI about a company. Or like the other day, just for for an article I was writing for Reader's Digest, which I didn't know was still doing things. I used to love Reader's Digest. But, uh, you know, they're like, how can a candidate learn something from AI? And so I just typed into ChatGPT, what questions should I ask if I'm interviewing for an ER nurse's position? And I got 20 incredibly detailed questions about like, what are the surge times for this particular hospital in this time? And what's the, you know, the typical shift work when there is a surge and all these things I never would have known. So it's easier than ever to be prepared, but very few people take time to do it. So every one of these habits is you'd read it and you go, duh, why not? 
but people don't. That's the secret of these habits is that it's simple things you can do that very few people actually do. It's like, you know, I don't know if you've ever bought a piece of exercise equipment so that you'll get in shape and then it gathers a lot of dust. I think a lot yes, of people have done we've that. We've all done that, I think. Yeah. I think it's like that. You see these habits, you go, oh yeah, I need to do that. But you, you put it off for tomorrow. And coming to an interview, I, I mean, there's so many times people come to an interview and it's like, uh, let me just tell you about me. That's not prepared. Prepared is learning what's going on in this company. What are the latest initiatives? What are the challenges in the market? How can I add value? What about my wiring particularly fits the company itself? Then, then you can start to show a level of interest, which also leans into the habit of curiosity and uh, you know, just doing a little homework. I mean, I think if people would spend even 10 minutes in front of their computer asking, how can I get to know this employer better? They'll walk into the interview immediately standing out in the crowd. Yeah, I, I think that kind of preparing really makes a difference. Another one you alluded to a few minutes ago is self-awareness. And I can agree more that that is so critical. And of course, I'm coaching these days. And one of the things that coaching does is ask questions to help people uh, delip, kind of um develop more self-awareness. But one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of people who think they are very self-aware are not. Yeah. Well, so I need, do you find I need that with candidates? Yeah, I, I need more of it. I mean, I really do. Uh, you know, the, the part of that philosophy education at my undergrad, um, you know, Socrates didn't write much down at all. And so he's mainly oral tradition. So what, what he actually taught is kind of debatable on a lot of fronts. But the one teaching that everyone who has done any work on him uh, agrees, yeah, no, he used to focus on this, was this teaching, know yourself. Yeah. And I, and I think back to, you know, I have this uh, religion background as well. I think, you know, Jesus was talking about not judging others. And he said, you know, get, get the log out of your own eye before the splinter from your friends. And I used to think, well, that's just like, Hey, don't criticize people. And that that's certainly part of the teaching. But now I'm beginning to see, I think what he was trying to tell his disciples was you need to get to know yourself. You're not going to be able to help others until you understand your own issues. And, and, you know, after we, after we identified the best of the best and we, we surveyed them and said, okay, where do you, feel like you're best in these areas. And we got some stats behind it. We then surveyed a quarter million people with the same survey. And uh, self-awareness was the least common gift among the unicorns, right? Um, the quarter million people that took the survey, 91% of them ranked themselves as above average in self-awareness. Yeah. yeah. I, I've, yeah. I've read that, that most I'm people think that they're way beyond that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm not a math major, but like 91% <laughs> says that it doesn't work. So, yeah. yeah. And, well, and that great, brings candidates, us, great candidates have I, that self-awareness. Yeah, and that brings us to a theme that you, you mentioned that this is not a habit, but it felt to me it was a theme throughout the book, and it's a theme... Uh, associated with a lot of uh, the 12 habits, and that's humility. 
that's part of self-awareness too. So talk about humility. How do you, how do you spot it? And how do you deal with clients who are, are candidates who are afraid to come across as humble when they're trying to sell themselves? What is humility yeah. for you? Well, you know, it's, it's a tightrope, isn't it? Because an interview is selling yourself and it's a, it's a crowded market and, um, good jobs are hard to, hard to come by and there's, there's always competition. So you have to sell yourself. I think what I'm learning is that the best candidates say things like, you know what I'm learning about myself, uh, rather than sort of categorical imperatives. They're, they're not wimpy. You know, humility does not mean speaking poorly of yourself. Uh, it's it's not thinking less of yourself than you should. It's just thinking about yourself less. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So so the more a candidate can show me curiosity in my story, in the company, in what they're good at and what they're not. I mean, I think the the rise of personality profile assessments is so helpful if people will use it. Like like you're interviewing for a job in a tech startup, but let's say it's Bev's Bev.com. And I'm interviewing with you to go to work at Bev.com. You guys are growing like crazy. And you say, William, tell me about yourself. And I would say something like, well, Bev, let me tell you, I've studied your company a little bit. You're growing so fast. And I've seen companies like that. I'm guessing that everybody's job description has the words other duties as necessary because it's, it's just changing every day. I love that environment. I am uh, an Enneagram seven. I love the next challenge. I love doing things differently. Back in my first job out of school, I was with a startup and I helped them build an email list. And then we found a software. Then we grew that email list three times. And then I didn't know how to do any of that. But then we found an inbound marketing company and I had to go learn how to do that. But it was, I loved it and I excel at that. And that's why I think given what your company's going through, I would be, uh, I, I would find a lot of energy there and I could bring a lot of value. Now, Bev, if you, if you are asking me to come in and do the same thing over and over, if you want me to be your bookkeeper, you're, you're probably going to fire me really fast because I'm just, that's just not my strength. So that kind of answer, when I hear that as a recruiter, I don't hear someone who's embarrassed about their strengths. But I also hear their awareness at what they're not good at. And by the way, they were prepared enough to have studied Bev.com and realized this is, you know, I'm going to have to be fast and agile and curious and, and a seven on the Enneagram probably do a whole lot better than a, a six. So um, that's just one I way. Yeah, I, I loved your response. I think I, I, I want to hold on to that because it's it's just such a, a beautiful example of how you can get, you can talk about yourself in a hiring situation. But three things I want to mention. One is I liked in the beginning how you tied talking about yourself to Bev.com, to um, the employer's interest. Um, and then you talked about learning. And, and my sense now is that with so much change happening, hmm. people who are hiring want to hire people who are into learning. The curiosity is a really important thing, but not only being curious, but being willing to do the work 
define you things. And and then your your self deprecation uh, it sounded absolutely sincere, by the way, on um, what you're not good at. That that self awareness uh, was beautifully woven into that. So I uh, I uh, suggest if we have listeners out there who are getting ready for a job interview, you might want to go back and listen to what you just said again. I'm, I'm well, looking and, at and the I time. just encourage you, get to know yourself. To, it, you can spend $20 and take the disc inventory and learn about yourself. You, you can spend about the same and take the Enneagram. You can, we built an index around these 12 habits that you take it and you'll learn where you're good and where you're not. And you can have three friends take it about you and then you'll see your blind spots <laughs> and you can start to to build in some uh, genuine humility about things you're still working on because we're well, all you, a work in progress. You, you wrote in the book that uh, an easy way to become more self-aware is to ask other people where your blind spots are. And I thought, I thought that was really excellent advice. Now I'm worried about our time because there's so many important things to get to in the book and we can't do it all, but what are some other keys among the 12 habits? If you, um, if your uh, kids are applying for a job, what would you have them of those 12 kind of concentrate on? I would have them figure out either by reading the book or taking an assessment, where am I good? What are the three of these 12 that I'm really good at? And how do I then study what jobs would work for that kind of wiring? And then I'd find the three that I'm not good at in that order. Work on first, work on your strengths. Then work on the areas you're you're not great at and make sure you're not putting yourself in a job that requires those three and and make sure you've got other friends that would take the inventory about you so you can get a, a more sober view so you're not one of the 91% that think you're above average in self-awareness. Uh, so I, I think if I could advise, when I advise my kids as they're coming out of college, it's almost always, hey, look, get to know yourself by taking inventories and then uh, get to know yourself by reading the book. And and then you can start to understand where you're going to flourish and not. And a lot of the mismatches I see where pe- good people take good jobs and it just doesn't work is because nobody was self-aware enough to say, this kind of work is just not going to be something that I'm wired up to do. Yeah. I, I think people sometimes see the shiny object in a in a job. It just feels like, oh, that's an important job. It's paid well, and so forth. And they don't kind of break it into what are the what are the tasks and opportunities here, and is that a good match? So um, there's so many reasons to kind of get to know yourself a bit as part of your your job search activity. The um, the habits, these 12 habits, you say they're all learnable. I, I agree. I like the way you said, look at your strengths and look at your weaknesses. But you were encouraging in the book saying that you can get better in all of these. Do you um, find that, say, in, as, a, as a manager, that can you see um, – your team members, it feels like you got a great team. Are, are they getting better on the things they're not so good at? Or is a lot of what you're doing just kind of not having them in that lane? How do well, you manage the idea of 
dealing with weaknesses. Yeah, I hope we, one of our nine cultural values is constant improvement. So I hope we're, I hope I, as an employer, am providing a proper path of development for our team so that they have tangible steps they can take. I I really think it does start with that. If that's not available, it's pretty hard for somebody to forge their own way in the workplace. But I do think that uh, I see our folks getting better. There's no one on our team that I would say is, you know, not doing a really, really good job. We're using Pat Lancioni's working genius right now as, you know, something that we're working through as a team to say, well, how can we get better? I I would encourage people, though, to realize these are not Williams' 12 opinions on what makes a great candidate. This is data that's derived from the best of the best of 30,000 face-to-face interviews. And it's, that's why it's a unicorn. I mean, it's hard to be good at all these things. But I think with the, you know some study and some coaching and hard work, you can. Again, if you buy the treadmill, that will not make you a runner. <laughs> yeah, you actually, yeah. You actually have to get on the thing and, and do some work. But uh, the good news is it's not to be the best of the best. You have to slam dunk the ball like Michael Jordan or hit a driver like Tiger Woods or something that I just can't physically attain. To be the best of the best, you have to learn these 12 habits. And anyone can learn how to be better at these 12 habits. And I think along the way, if you're really making an effort to develop these 12 habits, um, it's not all going to be perfect. That's going to enhance your humility and make you more self-aware. If, if nothing else, you'll learn, you know, accounting is not for you. So uh, it's it's a sounds like a terrific process. William, thank you so much for being here today. Again, the, the book is Be the Unicorn. It's very readable. And I think... Um, your data um, really supports everything I've observed in in my reading and work, and I I, uh, I hope the book uh, spreads far and wide. So th- thanks for being here. I appreciate you and what you're doing, and uh, I'm so thankful to get to be a guest. Today we've been speaking with William Vanderblumen about the soft skills which make the very best leaders stand out from the crowd. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Find Your Happy at Work. And our sponsor is the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Service at Ohio University. Today's tip is that, after years of focusing on tech skills, many employers are searching for the people-focused traits we once called soft skills. So, if you're thinking about a job search, look for ways to enhance your people skills. Thanks for listening to Jazzed About Work, and if you like the show, please give us a five-star rating. 